Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. I'm going to dig into a passage of scripture, but I want to do something first that uh, I woke up uh, this morning with something in my heart and my mind, and I want to read just a verse and ask a question as we get ready to open this up today. This is, you can think about this as the sermon before the sermon, which means that the other sermon won't actually happen. So it's just how that usually works. This morning I woke up, Proverbs 3, this is a very famous passage of scripture for you. I'm sorry, this was two mornings ago. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn from evil. Then you will have healing in your body and strength for your bones. The thing that that God put in my heart around this is this question, and I want to ask you this question this morning. God saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? When we think about living life, when we think about running the race, when we think about pacing and endurance, a lot of it comes down to whether or not we actually trust that God knows best, he actually sees us in our situation and circumstance and can actually lead us and guide us through. Trusting God sometimes is very hard because the only thing that we have tangible experience of is trusting people. And that doesn't always go good. We trust people and they let us down. We trust people and they they come up short. This is just the reality because we live in a broken world and we're all imperfect. But I I feel like in this series that that the the kingpin of all of this comes back to us realizing and come to a realization that we trust God. Because if we trust God, we trust his timing, we trust his leading, we trust his direction, we trust his ways of doing things. But so many times, and, and guys, I'm so guilty of this, and probably this is, this is actually probably why God spoke this to me. You just get to be part of my personal devotional journey with me. So many times I'm like, yeah, I trust God. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And I'm still holding on to everything. And I'm still trying to make it all work. And I'm trying to just power through and balance everything and hold the reins, and it all just falls apart. And the word would come, the word of the Lord, the question to you is, do you trust me? For us, my prayer is that we would come back to these places of evaluation in our lives to say, you know what? I think maybe my trust has gotten a little bit lacking. I think my trust might be a little bit misplaced. The invitation of the father is to trust him again. If you're feeling burnout in your life, If you're feeling like your world is upside down and you're fighting through and you are on fumes and you're just trying to make it happen, my encouragement to you is to come back, allow the Holy Spirit to help you trust again. All of that is gonna set up what I wanna talk about today 
Because we have to have trust in God to believe that then when he comes into our life, we talked about discipline, right? When he brings discipline into our lives, we have to trust that it's good for us and that it is actually a good thing. As painful as discipline might be, it's actually for our better and it's for our moving forward and it's actually for us to have victory in our lives. We actually trust God to say, okay, I'm gonna trust your work that's in my life. Today, I wanna pull a passage out of 2 Peter and I'm really excited about this today because, uh, yeah, it just kind of illuminated different than it ever has before. So I'm going to read a chunk of scripture here, verses 3 through 11 of chapter 1, and then we're going to dig in here this morning. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. How many of you are thankful for the great and precious promises of God that will not fail, right? These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Interpretation, help you to run with endurance, to not succumb to the way of the world, which means burnout and which tears you down, but actually allows you to run in accordance with God. In view of all this, in view of all the things that God has done in your life, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith. Key word. We're going to talk about supplements today. When you run a race, you have to have supplements. And if you don't have supplements, your body will fall apart. You need supplements. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, Self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful and the more you will be able to run with endurance in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop us in this way, those who fail to supplement their faith in this way, are short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their own sins and will burn out. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, there's things that God has given to supplement your life of faith. There are things that will actually help you to be able to grow. Supplements are very important. Supplements actually deal with your core. I did a little bit of reading this week on supplements, and it's actually fascinating how deep down they go in. The supplements deal with everything down to the molecular level in your life. Contrasting to the short-circuit, short-sighted way of doing things called steroids. Steroids don't actually help. They'll give you a boost. They'll give you a momentary ability to run faster and do things more efficiently and maybe not more efficiently, but just do more of them. But in the long run, they actually hurt your body. If you supplement your body, though, 
you are able to actually run harder and faster and longer and with more power because you are giving your body things that it needs to be able to run. For us to run the life of faith, to us to live the life of faith, and with endurance, we actually need to be able to come to this place of allowing God to supplement our faith with these things that we need to be able to run with endurance. Today, what I want to do is I want to give you some of these things so that we can actually understand what supplements are. Supplements are not, and if you've seen this, you know, Michael Scott carbo-loading before running the 5K for awareness of rabies is not supplements. If you've never seen the scene, uh, Michael Scott decided before the 5K from the office to uh, down a bunch of fettuccine Alfredo. That is not a supplement that will help you to run with endurance. You don't have to have seen the show to know what happens when you run a 5K full of fettuccine Alfredo. Not a supplement, right? So we have to understand what these are. Now, now the, the thing that I want to do with this is um, different translations and different versions of the Bible will actually translate things differently for different purposes. Um, usually there's two different approaches to translations of the Bible that are out there. There's what's called a thought-for-thought translation. A thought-for-thought translation would be something like the message. It would be something like the passion translation. Even the New Living Translation can kind of go to a thought-for-thought. It gets you kind of the general consensus of what's being said. On the other end of the spectrum, though, you have what are called word-for-word translations. These translations are a lot chunkier because what they're trying to do is get you as close to the Greek and Hebrew languages that the Bible was written in to understand what's being said. They're harder to read. They don't read as smooth as some of these other ones, but there's some power in it. Now, I was reading through this passage this week in the New American Standard, which the New American Standard tends to be very word-for-word heavy. It kind of it, it falls on that side. It's clunkier to read, but it has a lot of these uh, grammatical and linguistic things from, wow, I used two big words, grammatical and linguistic. That's, that's amazing. That's my quota for the day. All of them are going to be small words for the rest of the day. Um, but it uses all these things. And the way that they translated this passage is really good, and it's going to set up what I want to say. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7 from the NASB says this. Listen to the progression. Now, for this reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. There's our supplement word. Moral excellence. Now get this. This is what I love about the New American Standard. And in your excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Meaning the core is love, and everything builds out of it. Think of like Russian nesting dolls, right? The further you get down, you get down to the core, which is love, which is so true because this is the theme throughout the entire Bible is the theme of love. We see this in how God deals with us and how he works in our life. All of this stems from and begins with love, or to borrow the brilliant theologian, Nacho Libre, before... Beneath the clothes, we have the man. And beneath the man, we have the nucleus. (laughs) Love is the nucleus. 
Love is the nucleus, the core that we need to get from. I want to take this passage today and unlock these seven things that are here. And I want to start and and use them as building blocks because I think they'll help us to understand what it is to run with endurance. Everything, everything has to start with love. Everything has to start with love. And this is why this is so important. Because if love is not the starting point, all of the other things that Peter laid out in this passage become behavior modification that aren't rooted in a real life change that's taken place. We have to have a realization of the love of God in our life and be able to actually function in this to empower everything else that takes place in in there. The Greek word for love that's used here is the word agape. And agape love, we know this, there's four Greek words in uh, the, the Bible that are all translated love, but they're all very different. And they all have different strengths and different things. Agape is the strongest form of love in the Bible. So what is this passage saying? At the grounding and the root of everything, these supplements that you need to supplement into your life, the first and foremost is love. You have to have the agape love, which means this. It's the strongest. It means goodwill. It's willful delight. Agape love actually has the idea of faithfulness. There's there's commitment attached to it, and it's unconditional. Agape love. For us to be able to run With endurance, we need to be able to grab a hold of agape love. Now, now here's where this is really important for us to be able to run with endurance and understanding what this is. We need to both be able to receive the agape love of God and pour it out. Many times, burnout could come in our lives Because we have put conditions on the love of God that are not there. And we've started to believe that we have to perform a certain way. We have to do things the right way. We have to be perfect in order to receive the love of God. The problem is that that leads us to what? Performance where we're trying to do everything to earn the love of God. And when we get to that point, what that leads to is burnout. Because you're continually going to be, man, if I'm just a little bit better, if I do things just a little bit better, if I go to all the church functions and just say yes to everything, then maybe God will love me. The beautiful thing from I find from Romans is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4, this is real love. Not that you loved God, but that he loved us. So what do we understand about this? That the unconditional love of God goes beyond anything that we can do in our lives, both good or bad, that we think would disqualify his love for us. And and, and this is such a key for us to be able to run with endurance. It's receiving that love to be able to pour out. We won't be able to pour out the love of God until we learn how to receive the love of God. Everything starts with the love of God. Now, this is a wrestle because our world and our culture speaks and shouts conditional love all the time. Everywhere you look, I will love you if, I will be your friend if, 
Boy, I really hope that you keep being the way you are because if you change and you have a hard time in your life, I don't know if we can be friends anymore because you're not the same person that I wanted you to be before. Everything in culture screams this. And so it's so easy for us to put that same filter on God. My encouragement to us today and the prayer that I'm praying as we get ready to wrap up service in just a little bit here is that there would be a breaking off of a mentality and an expectation and a way of seeing the love of God that is inaccurate and actually stops us from being able to see who he really is. Being able to really receive the love that he has for us. I mean, there's not one person in this room who does not deal with, I messed up again. And asking the question, does God still love me? There's not one person in here. Maybe we deal with it in different ways, but I'm here to tell you that we all wrestle through this. We need a fresh revelation of the love of God in our life. Now, building on this then, I'm going to get through some of these. Building from this place of starting with the love of God, we go to a place of letting love empower brotherly kindness. If we're following the progression, let your love empower your kindness. Kindness reveals love. I can can tell my wife that I love her, but if there's no kindness in how I treat her, how will she know that I love her? Kindness is what reveals what we feel on the inside towards people and how we treat them. Kindness is actually treating ourselves and others with the love of God. It's actually a a, a force. It's actually something that has external effect on other people. It's, It's love expressed. Now, here's the cool thing about kindness when you look in the Bible. If kindness is really truly empowered by love, then kindness is actually a motivating force. It's a motivating force. Think about that. In your life, if there's someone in your life who brings kindness and extends kindness to you, boy, you feel like 10 times better about life, and you start to be able to move forward in life. Why? Because you have somebody who's like, wow, you're awesome. You can do this. I'm in your corner, and you start to go, yeah, okay, I can do this. If we are the body of Christ, we're called to extend the love of God to one another through kindness, through the way that we treat each other, through the words that we say, how we interact with each other. We get to be the expression of the love of God to one another. Now, that seems like a big weight, but I also like to think about it this. What a great privilege What a great privilege that God's given us the ability to show his kindness and his love to one another. If we were to make this our goal and our aim, no matter where we're at in life, in our workplace, in our homes, in our church, if we make it our our goal and our aim to be the love of Christ through kindness to other people, boy, something would change. Something would change. I was having a conversation with, we just moved into our, our house and I just got to meet our neighbors across the street, and they're, they're an awesome couple. And it was, it was really cool. It's cool to meet them. They moved from Montana, and they're just landing. And, and, uh, and I, was just, I was just being me, you know? And I, I don't know if they're followers of Jesus or not. You know, I haven't got to, it's not like the first question I asked out of my mouth, you know? Yeah. Welcome to the neighborhood. Are you a Christian? You know, I didn't do that. It was usually apologetics 101, not usually the first question you lead with. Um, 
but I was able to talk to him. And, 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 and he was just like, man, you're just, you're a nice guy. And I was like, well, good. <laughs> That's better than the alternative, you know? But why? It's because I've got the love of God flowing out from me. Man, let us as a church be a group of people that know how to show the love and the kindness of God to other people. How cool would it be that every time we get together, there's testimony after testimony and there's story after story of this group of people being the kindness in the hands and feet of Jesus to those around us. It's a motivating force. A couple scriptures for you. Romans 2 says this. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? <laughs> Do you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? I am so, so thankful. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Kindness is a motivating force. When we experience the kindness of the Lord from himself and from one another, it causes us to be able to run with endurance and a new boldness because what we've done is we've churned from the things that will tear us down and we've pressed on to the things of heaven. When we extend the kindness of the Lord, this is what we're doing. We're actually helping each other to move forward in knowing how to run this race with endurance. First Peter 2 says it this way. So get rid of all evil behavior. Why? Because it'll destroy you. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. When you have a taste of the Lord's kindness, it does something to change and to shift and to motivate you and propel you forward. So love supplements our faith as the grounding foundation. And that leads to a brotherly kindness in how we treat one another. And then Peter tacks on this, be motivated by godliness. Be motivated by godliness. Now I put it this way because uh, as I was studying through this passage, it was really cool. Godliness here, when Peter's talking about this word, isn't as much about something you do. It's about a posture you have. You don't get to just power through to be more godly. If I was to meet with you and have coffee and be like, you know what? You're doing awesome. I just want to encourage you in the Lord this week. I just have one, one challenge for you. Just be more godly. Uh, you'd look at me and be like, like what do you mean? What do you, what do you mean by this? This is what this definition of this word here that Peter's talking about. Godliness speaks to a reverence and a respect for God that affects the way we live our lives. See, there is a result in a transformation that, that takes place in our life, but it comes from the fact that we've had a revelation of who God is. It empowers us to be able to move. This is what we were talking about in Great Are You, Lord, this morning. It's his breath in our lungs. And when we realize that it's his breath in our lungs that empowers us and moves us forward, then the only thing we can do is look at him with reverence and respect and humility off of all the things that he's done in our lives. And it transforms and changes the way that we look. Ephesians 3 
14 and 15, Paul had, had gone on kind of a, a really cool celebration rant of all that God had done, done in Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 3. Like these are some of the things that Paul had been talking about. In, in these chapters, he's, he talks about how we have peace with God because of Christ. Wow, that is so cool. He talks about how we are actually the temple of God, that he actually resides in us. You've got to be kidding me. That's amazing. He talks about the revelation that God's actually poured out to us to be able to understand these truths and these things of scripture. He talks about how the grace of God has been poured out in our lives. Wow. Thank you for the grace of God that's poured out in my life. He talks about the shared inheritance that we have between Jew and Gentile and how we all get to share in this inheritance of heaven and salvation. He talks about that because of all that, we have the privilege of sharing the good news with people around us. And then he says this, because of everything God's done, we actually get to boldly enter into God's presence. Like, how cool is this? And then he says, because of all that, you get to endure trials. And you're like, wow. Bring it on. What's Paul talking about? He's talking about celebrating the plan of God. And he says, look at all of these things that God has woven in. Look at all these things that he's done. Look at all these things he's done in your life. Look at all the things that he's done in our church. Look at all the things that he's done in your family. Look at all the things that he's done around the world in the greater, the big C church around the world. Look at all of this incredible stuff that's happened from the very beginning of time. The plan of God that's been woven into creation since the beginning of time. Look at all this. Wow. And then in verse 14, he says, this, when I think of all this, when I recall the plan of God, when I recall everything, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. When's the last time that the remembrance of everything God has done in your life brought you to your knees? When's the last time that it so moved you that all you could do was humbly revere the Lord. You know where burnout comes? When we look at everything that has happened in life and say, that was because I did it. And if I don't keep doing it, I'm not gonna make it. What does reverence and respect do? It reminds us of who he is. You know, the only way that you can ever run with endurance to make it to the end of the race is when you remember who he is. I'm going to tell you this right now. You will not make it without that. If you forget who God is in your life, it's going to be really hard. This is why in Deuteronomy, the whole book is full of God telling his people, remember, remember. He even says, remember to remember. Like we're that bad at it. <laughs> you guys, you can't even remember to remember it. Like godliness is a natural outworking of our life from that posture. It's a result of the work that he's doing in our life. If today you realize, you know what, I, 
I think that my eyes have maybe gotten off just a little bit. Maybe I'm on the circumstance. Maybe I'm on the situation. But I've, I've lost sight of who God is. I want you to receive today the word of the Lord that it's a fresh start and a fresh moment for you to come back and say, God, wow. Wow. Lord, would you remind me of everything you've done? It's hard right now to see your faithfulness. It's hard right now to see how you're going to help me get through this. It's hard right now to see how you're going to provide. But Lord, help me to look back and recount all the times when you've done it before, which means you'll do it again. And when our eyes get fixed on him, it changes our entire outlook on life. Godliness. Now, in light of all of this, when we receive the love of Christ, when it propels us into kindness, when it leads us to this godliness and this reverence for God, then its challenge is to keep moving faithfully forward or keep faithfully moving forward, as some people would write in their notes. <laughs> keep faithfully moving forward. Perseverance. In light of everything that God's done, in light of the recognition of all that he is and the majesty of who he is, Keep faithfully moving forward. Keep pressing forward. Philippians 3, 13 says this, Now, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. The call is to persevere. Now, this word has meanings around the idea of, of patience, constancy, and then my favorite in this whole thing is faithfulness. Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. What are we called to do in this life? What are we called to do to run with endurance? We're called to continue to be faithful. Now, here's the thing about faithfulness is that it's little moments of faithfulness that lead to a life of faithfulness. What God's looking at us in our lives is to make choices every day to continue to be faithful, even when it's hard. And all of those together will culminate into a life of faithfulness. Maybe you're here and you're listening and you're like, you know, I don't know if I've had a lot of faithfulness in my life. I see a lot of areas where, man, it's, I, 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 don't, I don't see that I've actually done that. And you'd start disqualifying yourself. What I would encourage you today is to say, Remember the grounding force. If you have ever struggled with faithfulness in your life towards a friend, towards a spouse, towards God, remember the grounding force that the love of God is present in your life and the love of God overwhelms every other thing in your life. Remember that and then allow it to come and to today make decisions of micro faithfulness that can help you to live a life of faithfulness. Let God shift. Let God change. This is where the discipline of the Lord comes in. If he comes in and he talks to your life and he says, hey, there's some areas here where maybe you haven't been as faithful as, as you maybe want to be, allow the discipline of the Lord to come into your life. Allow the discipline of the Lord to change you and to shape you and to mold you, to move forward. Now, I'm going to give you this one because this one's really, really key. 
Peter talks about two things and they go hand in hand. He talks about perseverance and then he says, exercise self-control as you persevere. These two things have to go hand in hand in order for us not to burn out. You know why? Because in order for us to run this race that God's called us to, to live the life of faith, to be faithful in every area of our life, to be faithful to him, to be faithful to our family, to be faithful to our jobs, to be faithful to the people around us, we have to have a perseverance that moves us forward. But we also have to have a self-control that is present in our lives, and both of those things have to work hand in hand. This reveals itself a lot in... um, in, in people who are recovering and stepping out of, of addictions, they've, they've, there's been all kinds of, you know, whatever the addiction looks like in your life. In order to find healing from those things, you have to have a perseverance that desires healing and wholeness and freedom and everything that God has for you. But there's also areas of your life where you need to have self-control. There's areas of your life where you have to exert both of those at the same time. I want to move forward into what God has for me, but I got to make sure that I've got some boundaries and some things in place so I don't burn out. So here's where self-control comes in big time when it comes to running the race. We have to make sure that we fight the urge to go all out in all areas all the time. Self-control says I'm going to know where my energy needs to be expended and where I'm going to be able to put work into and at what times I'm going to be able to do this. But perseverance says I want to go because God's called me to this race, because he's equipped me and he's anointed me for such a time as this. And I'm gonna step into the calling he has in my life and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna help build the house and I'm gonna help build the kingdom and I'm gonna help build one life and I'm gonna join the setup team and the coffee team and the usher team and kids life team and the worship team and the sound team and it's just gonna be awesome. And self-control goes, maybe not all at the same time. Like, let's just be real. Sometimes when we get so excited about some of the things that God wants to do in our life, we have to have a perseverance master with a self-control to know pacing is important, timing is important. Because what, what happens is if we get these things off sometimes, our families burn out, our marriages burn out, we burn out, because we get so zealous and excited, but then the balance of what to actually do in that has to be there. Does this make sense? So in order for us to run with endurance, just to recap, we have to have a grounding of the love of God, exhibiting itself in the kindness, the godliness of God, the reverence of God that leads us to this place of godliness. We need to have perseverance to push and continue to move forward, but we need to do that with self-control so that we can continue to run at the pace that God wants us to run at. These are all things that God has for us. I'm going to give you the last two really quickly, and then we're going to end. And when I say really quickly, you all know what that means. Yeah, at least. I haven't even hit my first conclusion yet. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The sixth one is this. After all of this, after all of these things in place, grow in knowledge grounded in love. See, knowledge is very important. You do have to grow in your knowledge. But here's here's why I love this order so much. It has to be grounded in love because if if the idea of our life is just to amass knowledge, 
but there's no root of kindness and love and godliness and perseverance and self-control in all of it, then we just amass knowledge that just tells us to do whatever because the other things haven't been grounding there. Do you see how these build on top of each other? So we need to be able to have knowledge. So we need to let love, kindness, all of these things be the starting point for this knowledge. And here is why, because here's the warning. Second Corinthians 8 says this. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of this possesses, uh, all of us possess knowledge. But this is what we know about knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. It makes you feel like you're more important because you have information that somebody doesn't have. But love builds up. Here's the trick. Knowledge can build up if it's grounded in love. If knowledge doesn't have love to found it, then it comes from a place of, look at all the stuff I know. Look at all the stuff I've learned boy, I just, I could, I could go the rounds with you all day long. But if it tears you down, then what's the whole point? If it's motivated by love, it's meant to build you up. Now, this is where perseverance and self-control are important because perseverance and self-control need to be absolutely present when we are learning and when we are growing because God wants us to learn and to grow. So he leads us into places where we are supposed to persevere, supposed to be able to to put effort and energy into actually learning what God is wanting to teach us. We have to have this drive to be able to lead us, but we have to have a self-control that says, I'm going to receive that knowledge from the right places. There's a lot of places that we can all receive knowledge from, you guys. The internet is full of them. And we can receive any kind of knowledge and information on any topic, anywhere, all over the web. What we have to do is if we we ground this right in perseverance and self-control, perseverance says, I want to learn. Self-control says, God, I'm going to allow you to teach me. And rather than just amassing knowledge, I'm going to go after it to learn what you really want to teach me in this moment. See, they're, they're, some of the things that are said about culture today is that one of the most um, prevalent things is that the most powerful thing is information, right? And so for us, we have to understand that this information needs to have a grounding in order to have good in our life. And then finally, let the result of all of this be moral excellence. The result of love, kindness, godliness, Perseverance, self-control. I put moving forward. I threw myself off. Self-control, knowledge, all of this is a moral excellence. Now, this is why this has to be a result to everything else, because if you start by just trying to be a morally excellent person, it won't work. You'll just try to be a really good person, but with nothing to back it up. Okay, as we conclude, my hope for you today and this is for me as well, is as we land in a place of wanting to be able to learn what it is to run with endurance, to move forward in the strength of the Lord in our lives, let's understand what supplements need to be in our life and how to be able to have those in order that build on them. I want you to just picture for a second a life that was motivated and grounded 
in love. I want you just to picture this in your life because I believe that the work of the Holy Spirit has something for you in this. I want you to imagine it's grounded in love. And that leads to an ongoing kindness in our lives towards other people. That then leads to a godliness because we have a reverence and a respect for God and everything that he's done. We then have a perseverance to move forward to not give up when things get hard, to press forward and to believe that God is on our side and he's moving us forward. But we also know how to pair that with self-control and to be able to run at the speed that God wants us to. And as we go, to be able to learn the things that he wants to teach us, to be able to go to the school of God, to allow him to speak into us. There's all kinds of resources for this. I would love to talk with you about some of the cool tools that you have to be able to learn some of these things. But all of these things, guys, the goal of everything I shared today is to help us get to a place where we can run with endurance. Not just run hard, but have all of these supplements that help us to run right. If we're supposed to get to the end of life, we want to do it right. Not just get to the end and be like, I burned everything out trying to do all the right stuff and, and man, now I'm just, I'm, there's nothing left. I want to learn what the Holy Spirit has to teach me. And I want to pray this over you today. Maybe as I'm speaking today, one of these kind of highlighted to you a little bit. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. And this is the takeaway for you today. Maybe, for example, perseverance is something that God's wanting to really work with you on. You're going, yeah, I got some areas where I just need to continue to push through. Go a level above that. A level above that is motivated by godliness. Maybe I need to go back to a place of centering my eyes on God, getting a fresh revelation of who he is that empowers me to be able to move forward. That's what I want to encourage you to do is as you take it away this week, be able to process, go a layer down. If this is what you're wrestling with, if you're, if, you're, if you're having a hard time being kind to people and yourself, maybe go back and say, do I actually understand the love of God? Maybe I need a fresh revelation of the love of God. Make sense? Let me pray for you, and we're going to conclude here today. And right before I do that, I just want to give an opportunity at the end of all of our services. I want to give people an opportunity who may be here and they're wanting to give their life to the Lord. You know, we had the starting point of love and I have this to tell you about the love of God that the love of God permeates beyond anything that you have done or ever will do. It's the love of God that sent his son Jesus to this earth to die on a cross carrying all of your sins and shame and when his blood was shed, he paid the price for your punishment, which was death. And he made it possible for you to be able to have eternal life and forgiveness of sins if we put our faith in him and believe that he's our savior. It's as simple as that. And in that, we actually receive the strongest, most powerful love that there is in our lives. If you're here today and you're like, you know what? I've never experienced that love before. I, I, I've never I've never had the opportunity to put my faith in Jesus as my savior. I wanna give you the opportunity to do that. And the way we're gonna do it is we're just gonna pray a prayer all together. So I would invite you just to close your eyes, bow your heads, and we're all gonna pray this prayer together. And I just want you to repeat after me. Jesus, I thank you 
for your love. I recognize that when I was far from you, you still loved me. When I didn't deserve it, you loved me. And today, I come to ask you to be my savior, to be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I put my faith in you. I am saved, I'm forgiven, and I have eternal life because of you. I thank you for it. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, I want to invite you before you leave to just fill one of these out, these connect cards, and you can go out to the Connection Center, and we have a gift for you. We have a Bible and a book called Following Jesus, which just gives you some basics about what it is to step into a relationship with God. We want to just give that to you and allow you to take that and read it and, uh, and process through it. Um, today. But drop that out and I can provide some more next steps um, with you. Why don't we stand? I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to get ready to dismiss today. Father, I thank you that you train us and teach us in the way that we should live. You teach us and train us in how we are to move forward in this life. And Father, I just thank you so much for your wisdom in how all of this works. And Lord, I pray that you would help us this week and that you would train us in these ways, how to supplement our faith with love, with kindness, godliness, perseverance, self-control, knowledge, all of these things, Lord, moral excellence that we can just add to our life. But Father, I ask that it would not be behavior modification that we have, but it would be something that happens deeper inside because of what you are doing in us. Lord, I thank you that you are the teacher. I thank you that you train us, that you help us. And I pray that today as we walk into this week that you would illuminate these areas in our lives where we need to have growth and that you would come to help us to grow and help us to learn and help us to, to move forward in all you have for us. I pray that one life would be a church full of people that are your hands and your feet, that have an accurate understanding of who you are, of your love, and it would empower us to run and then, Father, you would train us how to run this race with endurance. You would train us in your pacing, in your way of working, in your way of living. We love you. We thank you for your care. We thank you for your care and your love for us, Jesus. In your name, amen.